narrative is funded by viewers like you. Support our independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative. So there's been a lot of concern about uh, Tucker Carlson, and I'm sure you guys are very concerned about Tucker Carlson. Are you? Concerned about him? I'm, I don't know. Am I concerned, concerned about, about Tucker Carlson? He, he seems to be cracking a little bit. A little bit I cracking, don't know that yeah. this matters. Listen, so a lot of stuff I don't know, some things I do know. I know something very specific. Lachlan Murdoch is a carbon copy of Tucker Carlson when it comes to belief sets. He is. Okay? I don't know if they know each other. Well, they must know I just each other. Know that they're soulmates. They must know each other. I know that they're soulmates. Okay. Well, I'm sure there's some parts written on some pages and some lovely love going on there. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. When you have the man that actually really is running the news side of that empire now, it, it, as terms of Fox News Network, as for all reporting indicates, we only have what the reporting indicates. It appears to be him, yeah. It, it appears to be Lachlan. Even his own. <laughs> brother came out this man this is his it's his worldview is he the gay one is he the gay one or the other uh, is he the other one which one's the gay one no i think they're both married i don't know one's gay i think oh okay Oh, I'm sorry if I said Oh, oh. Well, you me, know please. things too. I don't know. That's- <laughs> I, I knew one of them was gay, but maybe not. Maybe officially too. he's, he's uh, not gay, but I thought he was one of them was gay. No, I think they're both married. I don't, I'm don't. i not sure. I don't know. But you, you I do can know- be married and gay. By the you way. can. You it's can. true. I'm sorry. I'm just, it's true. 2021. Yeah. True. So uh, the, but there is, the, the, he is looking a little frazzled. <laughs> he is. And sometimes he's he a little is. possessed. In fact, Forbes magazine said that he looked like he was panicking on the air the other day when he prematurely ended an interview. So he brings this guy on to talk to him about how the Derek Chauvin trial, how he wanted him to say that there was something wrong with the verdict. And the guy comes on and actually says what is true for everybody who lives in this planet and said, oh, no, this is a good verdict that this, you know, this was a terrible case. And and so he has this mild kind of like weird panic attack on the air. And this is where, you know, this is where the concern started growing for uh, for Tucker. So I'll I'll play a little bit. We won't do too much of him. I'll just let's look at uh, at what's going on with him on TV. It was excessive. It shouldn't happen. And what I'd like to say, the guy who did it looks like he's going to spend the rest of his life in prison. So I'm more worried about the rest of the country, which thanks to police inaction, in case you haven't noticed, is boarded up. <laughs> so that's more my concern, well, but I appreciate you coming look, on. Ed Gavin, thank look, look, you. Look. Nope, done. Thank you. Nope, done. Thank you. And what was that laugh? That laugh was concerning. You know, it's a little bit weird. That's not the first time something with Tucker was prematurely ended. <laughs> ah! Oh, oh, well no, done. Well done. Think, don't make us visualize that. Um, yeah, look, it, I don't know whether he's having a crisis. He's just, he's nervous. I, who knows? This is his... He, we can, everybody can spin their theories light and center about, oh, he's owned, oh, he's doing things for this, oh, he's a blah, 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 blah. Let me tell you, this guy's a white supremacist. It, it, it's oh, yeah. who he is. It's a real His deal. belief set, it's a real deal for him, whether it was an existential crashing in of his world to have somebody on to present, no, it was a murder, he murdered that guy, oh, and that was too much for Tucker, or whatever it doesn't matter i think the thing for fox is the only thing i think that threatens tucker is if it becomes 
too uncomfortable for everybody? Is Tucker going to become too uncomfortable and it's just easier to put him out? Because he has no advertisers. He's, he's like not giving in money. Yeah. He's simply kept on there because he's a projection of what Lachlan Murdoch wants on there and probably Rupert as well. He, the acceptable face, what, yeah. He fits what they're trying to do. They're, you know, they're running a white nationalist you know, propaganda site there, uh, channel. Yeah. And Tucker's a really, he's a really good representative for their worldview and for what they're trying to push onto the American public. Other countries don't allow that kind of that stuff on TV. No. And these people, they don't allow it. We allow it and we don't have to. We really don't. So people are finally figuring out, okay, maybe let's just go to the shareholders and let's go to the cable carriers and, and the advertisers. And, and the advertisers. Well, the advertisers are gone. The advertisers are gone. It's like 10 still. They're There's gone. 10 advertisers, I think. It's I not, but it's nothing that pays for that program. Yeah, I don't know. Lachlan's, Lachlan and Rupert are literally underwriting this guy. That's how much they love him and believe in him and want him on their network. They want that shit. Okay? Yep. So the only thing that's going to keep them from wanting it is if it becomes a liability with the broader money that they make from the carriers. Even then, remember, these Murdochs have enough money to just keep it going. They don't. I don't know that they care about making money from this anymore. They, they really... Care. But I think they you're right. Really I think they are. I think it's exactly what you're saying is they're just pushing an acceptable faith of white nationalism out there and they're happy to do yeah. it. But there is something weird. You know, bad company, the guy we, on, on Twitter, he says that ever since Tucker Carlson interviewed Matt Gates, he's gone further down the rabbit hole. He, he thinks that he may not last much longer. It shook his ass. And it was a weird interview with Matt Gates. Did you guys see that interview with Matt Gates? I mean, oh. this is a weird situation where at some point in the interview, he tries to rope Tucker into the situation and says, you know, yeah. basically you were involved in one of these criminal situations. I only know what I've read in the New York Times. Uh, I can say that actually you and I went to dinner uh, about two years ago. Your wife was there and I brought a friend of mine. You'll remember her. I, I, I don't remember the woman you're speaking of or the context at all, honestly, but. Honestly, but, but how could you, why would you forget something like that? I wonder if there's little text messages in Matt Gates's phone to Tucker Carlson with images yeah. of who knows, who knows what they might you be know, sharing. I don't even think that matters. Yeah, it struck me as interesting that Gates said you were there with your wife, right. almost like wink, wink. You don't remember the girlfriend. You won't remember anything else, but you'll remember the girlfriend. He said that. Yeah, which is really interesting. Yeah, so I wonder why Tucker yeah, well, look, just didn't also, remember. Matt Gates made a massive error there. Regardless of who Tucker Carlson is, he dragged that man's wife into this scandal and brought her up on live television. I, I actually was like, when Tucker was like, okay, that was weird, you're out. I was like, yeah. okay, good. <laughs> Get yeah. rid of him. He just dragged your poor wife into something. That That's not a good, it's not the right thing to My do. God. Yeah. It's not the right no. thing to do. I didn't even know he was married. I was surprised to know that he was married, to be honest. Absolutely. The thing that's what's really changed in Tucker's life of late is that he's actually number one on all of cable news since recently, which was a surprise because I thought he was way down below. And and normally this would be a kind of a good thing, you'd think. But the thing is about Fox News is when the higher you get up in the ratings and the more pro popular you are in prime time, the more likely you are to get destroyed because you just got more people coming at you and you're just in the number one position. So in general, people want to pull him down. In fact, I had this very handy graphic, but it's not uh, animating. So I'll just show it to you as a full screen here, but you'll appreciate the fine work that went into developing this. And this is the Fox News flameouts. In the actual animation, there's fire coming out of each of these characters, but as I can't do that, 
Um, <laughs> you get to see it this way. So Lou Dobbs there on the left, he was in primetime there on Fox Business News for 11 years before he, he flamed out. The, the general exception for everything is Bill O'Reilly. He was 21 years at uh, primetime. With all the philandering and weird stuff that he did with people, no one seemed to care. They let it stay on the air for 21 years until yeah. they finally didn't. Now, what, Kelly, uh, what's her first name? Uh, Megan uh, was there for four years in primetime before she handed over her slot to Tucker. And Tucker's been there for five years. And he looks, looking at this chart, you get the sense he might be looking around thinking this, his time might be running out. And because uh, he's that kind of guy, he looks like he's very nervous, right? He's a nervous kind of guy. So I bet she's looking around and saying, uh oh. I gotta perform now. I gotta stay. I've gotta keep getting even more and more extreme all the time. Could be that he's on his but, way out. Uh, maybe. I, I. I don't know. It, it, first, also, I don't care. <laughs> I just want to be a nice segment. <laughs> I, oh, I can't hear. I, I, I can't hear Greg. I think you're on mute, Greg. I don't. I. I oh, if he flames out, if he keeps going, it's the same garbage coming yeah. up and the great Lou New, who's at Nita and Tito on, on Twitter, our great friend, I'll put out a little tweet of, yeah, just call the cable carriers and say, blip, blip, get Fox News off my platform. They, I don't even know how it's still on. It really, it makes no sense that they're being carried by anyone, but I guess they make some money for somebody. Well, it is actually very easy for people to do this. They can actually call their cable companies and they can ask yeah. for Fox News to be canceled and, and for the propaganda to stop being broadcast into people's homes, along with Newsmax yeah. and OANN. And it could be very effective. There was a boycott campaign for all these networks because really what the hell are they doing on television? They shouldn't be on television. Most of them are foreign propaganda. Anyhow, uh, you could just pick yeah. up the phone, call your cable company, let them know that. You can also call Fox News and say, hey, I don't like that guy, Tucker Carlson. Make sure he goes off the air. And you can call any of his advertisers and do the same thing. And yeah. who knows? Tucker's worst fears may, may come true after all. But he, he's not exactly MAGA guy. No, he's not He's not like, he doesn't fill me with um, dread or fear or anything, um, which, I which is what I thought we used to have towards these MAGA people. He looks like just a waspy guy. He's not very threatening at all. He's not Mr. Masculinity. Yeah, but I think that propaganda that comes over the Fox Airways, it, it seems to work on the same part of the brain that is connected to a feel, whatever it is. You guys tell me, you're the men, but some, some kind of feeling of virility that is, seems uh, to be lost. Some dominance feeling, something. Oh, it's just, and I feel like the whole GOP, you could say he's not very Trumpian, but I do feel like the the vibration of the GOP now, even like Marjorie Taylor Greene, it's just all dominance. Everything's just dominance. Like That's what like, it's about. It's like, yeah. It's, it's the amosexual. I've never heard of this until yeah. Mel told me about the amosexual the other day. It's, it's just it, dog pumping it, and fetish, autumn, yeah. right? Fetishizing like, like, weapons. It, it, that's right. It's just whatever the vibe is to whatever the, whatever that, what do I say? The like frequency Mm -hmm. is of whatever what dominance is and without having it go to anything there's no policy there's no goal there's no aim it's just humping it's just that all they want to do is hump You're just laying hump down with your gun there as one does go. madison Cawthorn. as hump one does yeah i'm yeah. just laying down and wrapping my arms around my gun because yeah. that is what I mean, what, I when did know. this become then, an interesting thing for people? When did it become interesting it, to to shoot people or to have weapons or anything? It's the most ridiculous thing in the entire world. It's the most unmasculine yeah. thing you could possibly imagine being, being like that. I mean, it's just you're obsessing over weapons. Really? That's what you do? That's your life? This is the brand of the GOP. So, uh, 
Look, they've got a masculinity problem there. They do. I mean, the whole thing is just told between Matt Gates's ridiculousness and then and this I Madison Cawthorn guy. And it's, it's, it's just him. bad. No, it's just bad. It, uh, there is a an intersection between emotional maturity for these folks and what it means to actually be an adult male. And even the women in this in the GOP and in the Trump movement and the Fox News watchers, they're defined, they define themselves against that masculine thing. Mm. They're not defined in of themselves uh, as women. It's always against the patriarchy, uh, not against it as opposed to it, but yeah. in relation to it. So I, I, I don't know if these, if it's just emotional arresting uh, you know, and we have a, a, a real problem with that, like a real epidemic of it. It's sad. It, it, <laughs> At it the is. end of the day, it's, it's just really sad. Well, you've got this, uh, this uh, you've got the country at great risk right now, and they're doing, they're running around with guns and chasing tail and doing frat boy things instead of actually trying to save the country, actually like recognizing the country's at real stake and they need to try to fix it. It's just, this, you know, it's astonishing to me that that's all they're doing. But Greg, you must have an yeah. opinion. You must. There must be something in there. I feel like they watched Full Metal Jacket but turned it off before Pyle like shoots himself. Yeah. This is my rifle. This is your gun. This is for fighting. This is for fun. And they think that the sergeant's cool. And they miss the point of the movie, which is that mm. that shit is crazy. Yeah. But it, on a larger, big picture way, and masculinity, in my mind, partly is about anger and rage because societally, I think, and based on the the testosterone coursing through the body, it makes you angry. That's one of the things that it does. So when you're a young man, you get angry a lot. And I'm speaking now from my own personal experience. You get angry and you get frustrated and it makes you mad. And the gun stuff, I think, is a way for them to channel that rage and that anger into something, not something productive necessarily, but something that makes the, that dissipates the anger. Because anger is hard. Anger is a really hard emotion to deal with. Other emotions are too. Depression is obviously. But what do you do with anger? You know, what do you do with it when you're just so enraged that you can't function? What do you do? And you, people either figure it out or they don't. And I think that for a lot of these guys, these guns are a way of channeling that anger. You're mad. You get the gun. You go to the range. You put up a tar. You put up Hillary's picture on a target or your ex girlfriend or whatever, and you fire some rounds in there. And then you walk away and you get a little adrenaline buzz and you feel better. I think it's. I think it's about that. It's about anger. Yeah. And when you're, what's the word I'm looking for? Your soothing mechanism for your anger, your way of dealing with your anger, is grounded in guns then it's only a matter of time before you snap and use the gun in a violent way and take out the anger on the source of the anger so it's dangerous and it requires emotional maturity to figure out how to channel anger in productive ways mm -hmm. i'm 48 years old i'm more emotionally mature than a lot of the maga guys and i have problems dealing with anger sometimes you know still so i sympathize from that standpoint but yeah, I'm sure there are ways you're dealing with it that are not involving this weapon fetishization. And this no, and, that, and that's and it's also you know there's a kind of hero worship I think, but that's also prevalent in the society. So it, it's it's, it's like juvenile, it's but it's there and it's part of Sad. it's part and parcel of the thing. It's about it's like the father to son thing. The first rated R movie that I saw in the theater was Rambo 
in which Rambo gets a gun and kills basically the entire Vietnamese army or whatever mm. it was. And you leave the movie and you feel like awesome because he went in there and just killed all these people. And that's what he did. And now he's a member at Mar-a-Lago. So there's this whole cycle right. of life. But I don't think I'm the only one. And my dad's not like some raging psychopath. Yeah, men, one men of the things that's on angry. TV, that's how many war things are on TV? Like the History Channel is World War II and over and over. And the, there's this battle and that battle. And the other thing is, from a warfare standpoint, you think about men and war, okay? And for millennia, men came of age and went to war. Many of them did. And we are blessedly lucky in this generation not to have not to be forced to do that mm. yes people join the military and go fight yes there have been smaller wars but since world war ii there has not been a huge all-encompassing war and certainly not in our generation since what's we pulled out of saigon okay there's been no draft there's nothing right. like that and that yeah. i think there is some communal thing that's in men okay quote whatever word you want to i don't want to get in trouble but there is a. Yeah, I'm curious. What I don't know. No, men. The, the, yeah, the, listen, there is, we're not able to talk this, whatever, but the, yeah, the, it, and not even straight men because because it, yeah. there, there's a whole history of, of of gay men fighting in wars too and being historically some of the best generals that have ever existed and we've ever had. But what happens when you could argue biologically or or something that men are have been conditioned through thousands of years of warfare to go fight and kill people to protect to defend to whatever it is and now suddenly we we don't have to do that anymore we don't yeah. and who's doing the fighting what what people in the society are the people that would sign up to do that it's the people that stormed the that's why they did it because they wanted to do that but there you is know, a brotherhood the the day, thing there is a brotherhood thing that develops in around these guns. I mean, so maybe the affection is shown towards the guns, but what they really are seeking is a brotherhood. And whether they go which, shooting which with their military, military is. Being a soldier uh, in this and that. It's a, it's the Proud Boys. The Proud Boys at the end of the day, it's a horrible name, but the idea of bringing these boys together and giving them a cause to fight for. And you could see how that would be appealing to an audience, which wasn't didn't have any of that, which didn't have any group activities. Can, or other can I ask you guys like that. about that? Let me ask you as men about that. So is it when you were teenagers, when you were young men, in terms of the brotherhood thing, was it that it is so much to process that is going on with you that it's you're looking for a bond with other young men because you're going through it's easier to go through it together? I'm really because you don't have to this. process it. It's because you could just hang out. It's because you know that you're you're still okay. dealing with stuff, but it's not it's not so serious. I guess it was just some. It was more. It's good when there's a goal. When there's a shared goal amongst a group of guys. It's helpful um, because you're you got a goal. You got something to work towards, and it gives you something you know, to to tunify over. And I, I to me, it's just it is a way of. I think it's really important. I think that male bonding is something that's really looked down upon in society and we tend to not celebrate it, but it's something that's super important for men. And it has been since since we were tribes people and and even before that, I think it's just this is what men require to to do the things we do in the world. So whether it's to to whatever it is you want us to do. Or to 
or to mature. Okay. Yeah, but it's, it's so necessary. It's, it's a it's a super okay. important thing, and we've cut it off for some reason. Our modern day uh, society has determined that you can't really do much of that. You can do some of it, but I'm it's not as important. Is it just changing? The way the family structures have been worked out, that you, you get married, you have your kids, and then sort yes. of you spend a lot less time bonding with other guys, I think. I don't know, I'm not married, so I don't know. But the- Well, uh, look, uh, here's what it sounds like to me, just as the outsider listening. This has been fascinating, by the yeah, way. Thank you guys <laughs> for that. Really, it's, I think it's it, this is like a bumpy show, but if I can give that opinion. But we're also talking about some stuff maybe that we're not supposed to talk about, but nobody knows why we're not supposed to. And actually, if we did start talking about this stuff, maybe it'd be a lot, it, we'd be able to, communicate a little bit better and identify stuff going on in a larger sense and maybe have some more empathy uh, for one another and find ways to actually not keep do repeating the same shit over and over again, which is getting us nowhere, but a bunch of uh, dead Americans, frankly, mm -hmm. that, that's where that's what's been going on. But it does sound to me like what you're also describing is a point in male development that's very vulnerable where young men are very vulnerable to influence i would say of if someone is going to come in from the outside and start communicating to you i'm just thinking about re recruitment and radicalization oh, yeah. that that this that there if we had more maybe of a heightened awareness and and, and start putting some things into our family systems and our social systems and, and communities. our communities mm. Yeah, for that age group, beyond the stuff we've tried in the past that's quaint, but not it clearly didn't get us all the way there. Yeah. yeah, we've seen with, there's lots of crime in communities. When they build community centers with you know basketball or, or sports facilities, it actually does work because kids have got something to do after school, and they go and they play sports and they do they bond and they do those kinds of things. It's it's not a we're in a different world. Yeah, yeah. we're in a different world in that it, now almost everyone has a device uh, of which they others can come in and mm. and influence. I think we should really be paying attention. I would like to really be paying attention to influence. I do think this comes back to the podcast and the book stuff that you guys were talking, to the media stuff you guys are talking about. Look at who is getting amplified. Look who is rising to the top and look at what their messaging is and look at how identifiable they might be for other folks that are, especially young men that are pretty vulnerable. You know, maybe they're seeing something. Maybe there's a bunch of young men that see something in Ben Shapiro that they yeah. connect with and what's coming from him in terms of messaging is some pretty dark and dangerous stuff, frankly. Well, there's also that other guy. What's his name? He's Canadian a professor. He's completely off his rocker. Oh, uh, oh yeah, Peterson. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I've he's interviewed him problem. before. I mean, he's a, he is completely off his rocker. I mean, his books are interesting, but there's yeah. a you know he's like the gateway drug for all this extremism yes. for a lot of people. Sort of brings people somehow, in because it sounds reasonable, and then cut to him having pictures with Pepper the Frog oh, and ridiculing and making fun of anybody. At and that, especially about three or four years ago, I was one of the people honing in and focusing in on the memetics, especially like the OK symbol and things like that. And he was coming in and ridiculing all of that. That not just a gateway, but also a way to normalize stuff mm. and a way to really grow a base. He was making, I think at that time, around $80,000 a month for, in subscriptions. He was really getting wealthy. And he just so happened also, just a side note about this guy, to, be, to have a very large collection of Soviet era art, real art, <laughs> that he somehow got out of the Soviet Union 
I don't know. He said eBay. That's where he went to cut up from his drug addiction. Sure. Right? Didn't he have like a, he got hooked on some uh, uh, painkillers or something, and then he landed up in the in Russia in the, in some sort of treatment facility, and everyone was like, "Really?" As one Russia? does. As, as one, one does, does. You know. He's sitting up in Russia. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. He, he likes Russia. Yeah. Russia's a good figure. place to clean up from having an addiction for sure. Yeah. Apparently. Um, yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> Getting. Uh, I was just going to circle back to something you were talking about, be with with. I'm talking about young men now, boys, whatever, teenage. Yeah. I think, you know, and again, I'm generalizing it. I realize that. But I think it's yes. historically more difficult for boys to be emotional and to tap into their emotions and to be social even in, a, in an emotional way with other boys or, or girls, for that matter, than girls. Historically, traditionally, whatever. And when you have something that's a shared experience like a sport or going to shoot the guns or whatever it is, you can hang around with other boys, but the focus isn't on the relationship between the two boys. The focus is on the Knicks yeah, have won eight straight games, which, by yeah. the way, is fucking awesome. Oh, yes. Uh, I knew you yeah. were going to get that <laughs> Got in. Got it. In. Okay. Um, Good for you the know, Knicks. But when you, when you have this shared experience like yeah. that, there's a bonding yeah. that goes on, and then it, sure. it primes the pump and makes it easier for then people to just come out and be more social and re- revealing in an emotional way not that girls don't do this or whatever it's i i don't want to you know yeah but there's a difference very much generalizing but and again i'm speaking also from my experience and i didn't i never really had a problem with that i i was always pretty good at at tapping into my emotions and in fact i i don't if i'm hanging around with people i just like to hang around with them i don't like to do other things Mm. sometimes up here like the dads are like let's get together and do this and i'm like Mm. can we just go to just have beers and talk. I don't want to yeah. do something. I just want to <laughs> hang out, but I don't need it to be about the thing. I'd rather just yeah. talk to everybody. But I think it's hard for people to, for men to do that harder than it is for women. And I think all of this stuff, whether it's the MAGA and the guns or whether it's bowling leagues, whatever it is, it just makes it easier for men to relate. And that's we were touching earlier on about the movies as well. You know, growing up in South Africa, there was this, yeah. you know, the, why people look up to America is this feeling that there is this brotherhood in America, whether it was, you know, real or imagined in these movies, you know, the, the Americans always won and they were always, you know, there was always this brotherhood around that. And that's a very enticing, attractive thing for people around the world. And there's probably, you know, we need to get back on that footing a little bit. We need to get back onto the, we're always winning footing because indeed it's the best country in the world for doing a lot of this kind of stuff. Um, and we've seen it, just when we were talking about Biden earlier, that feeling of winning again is such a contagious thing that maybe we need to spread that out a little bit more and more consciously do it in our communities. And it's real. That, those, yeah, it's real. Okay, go ahead. The, the sports feelings are real. Like when, when I remember yeah. reading this thing a couple of years back, the Red Sox were kind of doing okay. And then they, they went on a nosedive and missed the playoffs. And if you're a Red Sox fan, it was this torturous, horrible thing. And if you're a Yankee fan, it was funny. But anyway, there was the studies that said that the emotions that people actually felt when their team blew a big lead like that were no different than the emotions you felt when you know, your wife leaves you or something. Yeah. And it, it, emotionally, it is a th- it's a real thing. And the flip side is also true. When your team wins uh, the championship, it, it feels good. Yeah. It feels good. And it's a communal sense of feeling good. And which speaks to what you were saying. It doesn't have to be about baseball or whatever. It can be about, look at this great thing our country's doing right now. Mm -hmm. Isn't this wonderful? Yeah. Yeah. 
That would be fun. I would like that. I I think a lot of the myth building, this sort of these mythologic I think I do think young men and I blame as storytellers for this, <laughs> you especially your in the profession. Movie yeah. I really do. I do. I blame my profession for for the hero narrative and putting that structurally at the heart of the biggest movies with the biggest stars with the biggest budgets with the biggest releases with the it's always the hero narrative it's just over and over and over again it's a hero narrative and and it's a great narrative and i actually am really good at the hero narrative. <laughs> i fucking mastered the shit out of that hero narrative i really did well because um, it's it's but, it's a good one it makes you feel good it's a good one. It makes you feel good, but it's also, it needs a balance. Okay, I think that's a, a takeaway from this conversation, which is so not the conversation that any of us planned to have on this <laughs> But it's, I, I don't know what we're doing here. We're just hanging out well, ourselves. It was, a, the show great. was called Mask Crisis. So, so okay, all right. I, I think the balance is another big takeaway. And this has been talked about for ages and ages. We're not talking about anything new here, but like when Greg was describing you know, guys, you know, they want, they have something to do and they're like, Oh my God, that sounds like a dream mm. time to me. I don't want to sit around and talk to people yeah. about feelings. And what did you think of it? I do that all day long. I want, if I, I miss that. I miss my friends and, and my girlfriends and, and just go, let's go do, let's go do something. Let's go have an experience. That's great for our young people, I think really encouraging. And I'm, I have a lot of hope in, in, I do always have hope in the next generation, but I, I see them getting, throwing off a lot of that worry about traditional masculinity and that stuff. And just, let's just do what interests us and let's be who we are and let's be what interests us and let's just go and who cares. I think that's a good We've got some good trends going there, mm. and I think we should just encourage that as much as we can. We're sort of dating ourselves too, I feel like, in this conversation. I feel oh. old because I feel mm. like, oh, you know, the traditional roles. And also, that's a very constant frequency being blasted into people's homes across the country from these conservative podcasts and from that Fox News and all the gross propaganda networks that are even worse, the Newsmax and the OANs, right? Just pushing a, yeah, in that terrible narratives the, thrown at us for the last stereotypes years. and those prototypes and yes i do blame i do blame my industry for building up all these superhero movies but, you know superheroes these, are good and american superheroes what's better than people who do something for a good reason and then succeed in doing it Great. You, have a whole, you have a whole population a good percentage of the population who actually think that they can cosplay those myths and that's that's all they've got going on. That's cosplay. On. You can actually do something really great in your community and feel great about it as well. You can also uh, the be a great. Was a cosplay. <laughs> like that, that there were yeah. thousands of cosplayers. Yeah, but it's because they were that, trying that to do something good. Those guys were trying to do something good. They actually th were coming yeah. to save the republic. They, they think they're superheroes. Yeah, they got the wrong message yeah. for the wrong person, but uh, they ridiculous. went there to try and save the country. And that's what America is known for. Is oh, that's the. Sad. No, you're not going to normalize that. I'm not no, normalizing not normalizing that. I think it was terrible when I was, obviously you know that, but I think there's just, the motivation of most Americans is ultimately quite good and it's intended in the right direction. And it's not, and it's, and it comes from the grassroots. It doesn't come from top down. And there's something really useful to latch onto okay. in a moment of crisis become, like this. But what we're talking about is it's become so shallow. Mm -hmm. It's become yes. so surface that it's been weaponized yes. against 
what actually America is all about. And that's what that was. Yeah. That's what we're talking about with all this shit. It's, you get away from that. Uh, from the guns and the TNA and understanding. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a very shallow understanding of what it is to be an American, of what it is to, uh, of what these sort of gender roles are. All of this stuff is this very shallow understanding. There's no depth to it all. And because of that, the folks that are in that very shallow lane hanging on to stereotypes, hanging on to myths, as if it's all real, have been, are, are the ripe fruit to pick for p folks that are looking to radicalize, right? That's it. That's what it is. And we need some depth. We, <laughs> and we need to we do the anti-version of it. We need yeah. people to be able to see themselves from the outside and not just in how Ben Shapiro suddenly figured out that it, maybe he should work out a little bit and stand up straight and have some good posture. And we need, we really need some self-observing egos going on here. Like, so we need to nurture that in our society. I think that's, that's what we're missing. And it's made us really vulnerable. We're really vulnerable right now. I really feel it. Good so, time though. Every time you feel vulnerable, it's a good time for change. Helps, good time to adapt yeah. ultimately. I think just, talking to, to, to wrap up the masculinity topic, which I really didn't think we were going to talk about at all. I had a whole like, Bob Mercer like, thing prepared. Oh, yeah, you did have thing. I had a whole intellectual dive prepared for you. Yeah. I researched. We'll, we'll it was going to be great. Yeah, we'll I don't do know next time. About this. But Greg was going to wrap but this up. <laughs> I, I think everybody liked the Harry Styles picture. Yeah. Harry, yeah. Harry, that's him. Harry, yeah. even though he looks like David Bowie for it's not doing anything new. Yeah. I think that we can all agree However we feel about masculinity and, and, and what heroes we worship and what archetypes we deal with and all of this stuff, that Tucker Carlson in a bow tie looks ridiculous. I think we could all just say that. Yes! <laughs> I agree. I agree oh. But this is my inspiration. Oh, right. Yeah, because that's right. There was this explosion. Did you see these guys had this? I guess now when you have a baby, oh. you have a gender-bending explosion using some sort of TNT or something. I don't know. I, so there's this giant one in, I don't, I don't, I don't remember what it was, but it, it was 180 pounds and yeah. tannerite, I think is the substance. And you either, you either blow up blue or pink, depending on which gender you're deciding your, your baby's, your baby is, which it's just like this, it's like ridiculous that there's, they have to blow up a giant ton of, of dynamite or whatever it is, just to say that they're like sperm work. It's like, it's so over the top. It's such a compensation that it's just unnecessary. In this case, I think it blew up a whole, it whole blew up a whole, it, it ruined people's foundations of their homes. <laughs> yeah. It's so sad. But somebody asked, Jennifer Taub said, I just don't understand this phenomenon. She, yeah. And so I retweeted, retweeted Jen Taub and I said, so just to encapsulate this all, some men have an emotional immaturity so paralyzed in their adolescence when superhero tales and soldier cosplay define their masculinity that they've mythologized their seed. Oh, I said seed. <laughs> Should they end up with a product of it, meaning a child, an epic boom is required to affirm their special manhood. Yeah. Exactly I can't right. believe I got that all in one tweet, but that's what we're talking about here. There we go. Yeah. That's our masculinity edition of, of the after show. Maybe we stop. Yeah. We, we need to stop with the booms too. Maybe we need to stop. This is the yeah. way the show ends. This is the way the show ends. This is the way the show ends. Not with a boom, but a whimper. Okay. <sighs> See? Yes. It's, it's, you, could be a, you could be a man and still like Bonnie. This song was written by this song was written by Jim Steinman, who also wrote "Making Love Out of Nothing at All" and all of the Meatloaf songs, and who died this week. So, R.I.P. 
wonderful genius, one of the best lyricists of all time. Wow. Yeah. Every now and then I get a little bit terrified and then I see the look in your eyes. We don't want to fuck off. I'll figure Narrative is funded by viewers like you. Support our independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative.